Hello and welcome to this week's Starts One Podcast with me, James York, and... Ted Knutson. I'm at home for the last of three days, at which point I will hop on another set of flights and be gone again. So, we're fitting this one in. Yeah. Just for you guys. And the rest of this podcast will be behind a paywall, I'm afraid. Oh, yes. We... <laughs> we we ourselves have joined the athletic. There we are. Um, and this is your free intro. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> yeah, I bet every podcast does that joke this week, but I couldn't resist because that's just my personality. Anyway, we've got lots of cool things to talk about, about that are related to us anyway. So, uh, where do you want to start, Ted? Let's start with what is now available, which is the Statsbomb Innovation in Football Conference tickets. Uh, as you may have heard already, it is happening on October 11th at yep. Stamford Bridge in London. Um, and we are running our own conference. Uh, there'll be two tracks. One of them is a more general room that you know is going to have some panels and some talks and some keynote speakers. And then the other one is more of a research room. So we're going to have one for people that are not like, you know, super nerdy uh, into kind of the technical talks. Although I think the research talks will end up being quite good and, and pretty approachable for the most part. And then the other track will be, you know, general, fun, interesting people that you've probably heard of before. So uh, I wanted to run over um, most of the people that we have confirmed and some that are not quite confirmed, but, you know, just to tease out there. Uh, so you, our special podcast listeners, are getting some of these names before anybody else in the public. Um, all right. So like one of the keynotes is Seth Partnow of the NBA, uh, recently the director of analytics at the or director of research at the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, fear the deer, James. <clears throat> yeah, he's pre he's pretty smart. He knows his way around um, analytics for sure from an NBA perspective. He'll be, he'll be great. Great. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And, and no one pressure. of the cool parts is he, he recently <laughs> left. Uh, the Bucks to join the Athletic. Uh, it's almost an ongoing theme here. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but but in this case, um, you know, he was looking for some new challenges and be able to do like more research and just explore a bit. But the cool part about that is that means that he's going to get to talk about cool stuff. Unlike most of the time when you see team people talk, where they have to be like very secretive and private, especially in the public domain. So, um, and one of the reasons why we invited somebody from the NBA is because a lot of NBA research is applicable to football. And, you know, Seth has done some work on visualization and he's, uh, you know, one of the founding members of uh, a very good sort of technical blog called Nylon Calculus that is super cool out there. So we're stoked about that one. Uh, we also have confirmed Javi Fernandez of Barcelona, um, like FC Barcelona. Uh, he, he, the Barcelona research group is, is one of the best in the world at football analytics. And Javi has decided to uh, come come speak at uh at our conference and the the research concepts or the talks from most people the guiding light behind them is like some sort of research that you're excited about and and that's really it you know like if if we're offering up data you definitely should get involved in um you know if, if you're interested at all in doing some ideas and pitching a, a concept we've got a, a research paper uh set of details that james will go into in a little bit and we will give you data in order to be able to do that research but you know I think we wanted to leave, we wanted to choose people that we know we respect and think are really good speakers or like really cool, interesting researchers and put them on stage and give them a venue to talk about stuff that they're excited about. And, and I think that that's a little bit different than a lot of what you see at other places. Um, and and we're, we're looking forward to that. So Javi's going to be involved. Adrian Tarascon, who, or Tarascon, uh, who is head of game analysis at PSG, is also going to be there. 
Um, also confirmed is Michael Cayley, a longtime leading researcher in the football analytics community, and he will be there speaking. Um, Gabriel Marcotti, one of the world's largest football journalists, is going to be leading a panel. And joining him, uh, new names, will be Guillaume Balaguet and Raphael Honigstein, uh, two guys that we have like huge respect for. We don't really respect Marcotti that much. No, I joke. Like He's, <laughs> he's a friend, so... Give him a hard time about that. Raphael like, Honigstein of The Athletic. Oh, yes. Also <laughs> of The Athletic. This is not my fault. It just, it just happened this way. <laughs> he hadn't joined The Athletic when we booked him. Uh, <laughs> um, also, it looks like uh, these are unconfirmed but probables. Uh, probably going to be Jackie Oatley there. Um, I'm hoping to get Vasa Debuda from Ajax to talk about some, some cool kick-ass stuff that they've been doing. Um, I need to follow up with Emma Hayes as well. But, um, you know, some of these things, you know, are, are a little influx and, and you know, I, I, I'm telling you these things because this is where we're trying to lock down. Um, plus, you know, James will be there. I'll be there. Tom will be there. Um, Mike Goodman is going to be there. Uh, some of us will be giving talks. Uh, plenty of us will be giving demos. Um, you know, I'll be around to maybe I'll do like a dunk tank or something. <laughs> <laughs> You want to talk a little bit about the research competition? Uh, yeah, the research competition is good. I mean, basically, you get a chance to use Statsborn data with all our little uh, unique uh, aspects and events that we collect, including pressures and pass fitness and all this. So if you've got ideas that you want to work on in relation to presenting a paper, it also gets you a free in to the, to the day, which is pretty sweet if you get selected. That's very true. So, you know, and there's food, so like we'll yeah, be feeding yeah. you free food as well. It'll be great. I mean, they, these, you know, we used to go to the Opta forums. They were great fun. You know, Ted's been to a variety of industry kind of, um, you know, floral forums. You've been to Sloan at least well, a couple of times, three times maybe. You've been a few uh, times, haven't you? I've spoken there twice. I've been there three times. Yeah. I got to go into the very cool green room and, and be starstruck twice, and that was kind of amazing. But these was like one time where like adam silver was sitting there next to bill simmons and i think george carl walked into the room and uh mina kimes came in who's like a, a journalist i have a huge respect for in the u.s um on espn and like just so many other people and i'm sitting there talking to like pablo Torre, who i think is like hilarious uh and and jeff ma and i'm just like i don't belong here <laughs> this is like really interesting the point is, like these are good events and they're, they're good fun. So if you can, if you can find a find a way of getting there, then definitely definitely uh, come along. And you know, tickets will sell out. They'll sell out, no doubt. We'll have a full room with certain of that. And so you know, don't uh, don't sit around you, and wait. And sure, if you're a student, though, definitely buy up your tickets because they are going fast. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that's that's happening on the Friday. On the Thursday before it is. Uh, the next London version of our introductory to football analytics course. Uh, it's open to anybody. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of geared towards people at the, at the coaching level. So it's pretty approachable. It's not like super highly technical. And I will not be teaching that, but James and one other person, uh, a player to be named later, will be teaching that uh, on the Thursday. And uh, that should be happening at Leighton Orient Stadium, which would be kind of a funky venue for that. But uh, our friends of Leighton have offered to host us. So very oh, there we go. Then. See, I find out things on this podcast too. That was news to me. <laughs> See, yeah, I I like to just throw things at James, keep him on his toes. <laughs> I'm, um, used, I'm used to it now. Uh, but yeah, so that's coming, and you've got you're doing one this weekend, aren't you? Said in, in that's right. In so Dallas, in the great state of Texas, I got a I got a course I'm teaching. I'm not sure I'll be wearing cowboy hats and spurs, but uh, you know maybe some some assless chaps. That that sounds like a, oh a proper God. business uniform. 
so uh, I don't know if that's going to sell any more tickets. But anyway, we'll, we'll be teaching that uh, in Dallas. I, I won't be wearing that outfit. It's a joke. Please don't take me seriously. Um, yeah. So so all that's going on. Um, I also wrote a personal blog post today talking about a little bit. I'm going to take a break from Twitter because I think that it's I don't know. It just feels like a very angry place right now. And uh, and I've got a lot of stuff going on. Kind of explain my whole thought process there. And yeah, you, you should take a look at it. Um, but you won't see me around on the public side very much. If I have things to say, um, you know, I'll even put it on my personal blog, or I'll write like a real piece on Stats Bomb. Uh, but you should abuse James on Twitter because he loves it. Yeah, uh, so and, I'm not very argumentative on Twitter. Only after a few beers. But anyway, that's fine. that's Michael Goodman's like you know Good- Goodman Goodman's lifeblood has been arguing on Twitter for about six <laughs> or seven years now, uh, and and you know he's very good at it. He enjoys that. Um, one more thing that we should talk about, James, which is what are our plans for the season? What do we see happening here? Because apparently, the Premier League season starts this weekend. Yeah, it's how'd a, that happen? Yeah, I don't know. It's suddenly come up quite quick, and we're still kind of locked into transfer mode and trying to make head nor tail of what's going on there. Um, well, that's because transfer mode is still on. Uh, it, it closes at least for the Premier League on, on what Friday at midnight or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thursday. Yeah, it might be Thursday eleven. I don't know. Thursday eleven, I think. And, it's and soon. Lot, lots to talk about there. We um, should know. We should know this because this is what we do. <laughs> uh, we're, but we're not. Like we're not actively working on anything for for teams or, or customers on on this transfer window right now. So like that's it's some reason why you know oh these guys who sound like experts are actually idiots. Well you know we're we're doing different work. The, um, the, the speculation <laughs> will continue though as as the transfers keep getting logged in. It's like who is working with smart people? And uh, yeah. I really couldn't tell you, but. You know, it's always always interesting to kind of look in from afar, and I'm sure many of the listeners do exactly that and think like, "I wonder, has my team suddenly got a bit smarter, or not?" Well, a lot of them have gotten a bit smarter. Like, Mm. if if nothing else, they're just paying attention and they're avoiding the big mistakes, which we've said for years was probably the biggest way to, yeah, uh, you know, to to make headway and and to justify any sort of expense spent on data and stats, but also people who have some expertise in that. Um, So, like over the course of this this season. I will be taking some steps backwards. Um, I think we're going to try and bring in a bit more of uh, the old school. Uh, one of basically replacing an original beetle with another original beetle. Um, yeah, we'll, at, we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, it's um, there may be changes afoot for the podcast. I'll, I'll exactly. be here. Even it if, will even continue. If, even this if is what I promise you. Ted's you know off up into the sky, retiring and <laughs> taking control from afar. Am I dying? <laughs> <laughs> off, off into the sky. Like, I think, oh, yeah, that came out wrong. That wasn't my intention. <laughs> this is like Messi losing an arm when we were talking about him losing. I was thinking it was more weight. of a like kind of Howard Hughes Hughes role I envisaged you oh. in. Just <laughs> so I'm going to build a giant fucking airplane and call it some like the Grey Goose. That's Ted, great. I wouldn't put it past you. It's you know you're a man of vision <laughs> and ideas, so we we could have a stats bomb spruce goose or whatever it was called yes spruce goose not gray goose that's that's what he drank uh anyway so, so yeah that's uh, look this is the the non-usual ramble for us uh have you seen, what was the the movie the aviator like see we should just segue into that, into no. the howard hughes movie no. like starring leonardo dicaprio yeah. kate blanchett in like a, a sizzling role i mean she's she's awesome in most things but 
I think that movie is actually pretty good. I just I've got I've got opinions on uh, DiCaprio because I mean, remember DiCaprio did loads of films when he was young and like yeah. Scorsese kind of like seemed to pick him as like his like you know preferred actor and it was like he he just looks like a little boy. It doesn't yeah. work and it's it was frustrating and then suddenly like one day he didn't look like a little boy anymore and it was like ah DiCaprio that boy's got some acting chops. <laughs> now he, he's a proper actor now, and then since then, you know, like most things he turns up in, he's he's pretty solid. Uh, so, great actor, great dater of models. That's pretty <laughs> much his uh, his his update on uh, yeah. Wikipedia. There. I, um, anyway, transfers. Ted, we should get transfers. We're twelve minutes in, and we haven't mentioned a transfer yet. Well, that's the point. You know, like we've got to fit in the the stuff that we want to talk about early because like transfers are boring. Um, but one thing that is not boring is the most recent one, which I'm kind of, my mind is blown because not only has this happened quickly, but, um, you know, it's, it's a really unusual story. So Wayne Rooney is rumored (laughs) to be coming to Derby as a player coach. And the timing on this is uncertain. It could be now is kind of like what it seems to have accelerated or definitely after the MLS season. Uh, which is like really sort of funky and weird and Darby have a new coach. And uh, let's let's address the player side of this first. Um, what do you see Wayne Rooney right now, last two seasons at MLS? You know, where does that leave you as, as like a feeling? Well, like you had a quick look at his, his numbers and it was like, this looks like a midfielder trying to play up front or something. It's kind of like it's kind of hard to get a real handle of like what Rooney is anymore. He looks like he's not that. Uh, I don't want to question the man's motivation, but it looks like he's uh, he's kind of doing what he's doing. He's just, he takes shots from kind of anywhere, and there are a few in the box, which is good. He's uh, he's got, he's, got, he's on penalties. He's got seven goals from an expectation of about seven. It's think, not altogether think... terrible, but at the same time, it's it's it's. Not peak Rooney no more, that's for sure. It's it's very few shots in the box. Uh, a lot of direct free kicks, like some from range. Yeah, he's, he's kind of on target for expectation. He has 69 shots so far that are not penalties this year. Yeah, nice. I, I always miss that cue. Apologies. Every time. <laughs> See, this is this is why this is why I need to sub somebody else in. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's like not good, like genuinely not good. It's it feels like a guy who's lost his legs and just can't get in the penalty box. Now, could be that DC United are not very good as well. I don't have a strong opinion about that. But if you're not good in MLS, um, you're probably not going to be great at Derby as well. It's it's tricky, isn't it? Because you you always get the feeling. I don't know. Rooney's reputation is slightly. Um, exceeds um, the reality a bit. I think he's, he's quite a good teammate, I think. But you, in, certainly in those later England teams, you got the feeling that he, he kind of wanted to do what he wanted to do. And yeah, that might might be the case in DC United. And I, I think you haven't really got much room for that in a competitive championship squad. But he's still, you know, the, the man has exceptional you know touch. And he's still, you know... The, and he's doing quite well at assisting footballer. teammates. So like, that's good. But, but he seems to lose his position at some some point. You know, he's been playing up front in in America, which is kind of odd because you don't really see him as a striker now. He probably sees himself as an ever deeper midfielder. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 interesting, and the whole player coach thing, as regards cost, is intriguing, shall we say? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's a very fair way of putting it. 
<laughs> so we don't get sued. Who else can we talk about? What else has happened? Oh um, my God! So many things have happened. I think that is the the yeah, correct answer. Because you missed so, a week. Uh, let's do the big one. Go on. The the big head one. The big big one. Maguire to Man United. Uh, yeah, we this we thought this was going to happen a while ago, and it didn't. I think everyone thought it could have happened a while ago, and then it didn't, and it did. And it's the best part of eighty million quid, and it's weird because I th- I, th- I tweeted something out last night. It's like Man United spent one hundred and fifty million quid, and the betting markets are just like taking one look at them and just shrugged and said like, eh, whatever. Mean yeah. nothing. And that's, I'm not. I don't, I don't really want to read too much into that, but it's like, yeah, you've. Somewhere within 150 million pounds worth of spending, you feel like you might want to move the needle a little bit. I don't know, but then you know they spent so much of that money uh, in their defence, and it's defence isn't fashionable, defence isn't trendy. Don't know Maguire. He's inter- he's interesting. If he was 40 million, I'd be probably okay with it. Um, and then you. Well, I mean, the Man United tax is significant, right? Like you're going to pay 10, 20 million over mm-hmm. what you should for like any specific player, I guess, if you're Man United. Uh, the thing that I thought was the weirdest part of this deal was the deal length. Mm. So yeah, it's a six, six plus one, wasn't it? I think it's a six-year deal for a twenty-six-year-old. Yeah, but you're Man United, so like, who are you locking him up against, right? Like, there's no release clause in this. Like, you know, <laughs> why? And then there's a plus one on it, which is yeah. like another why. But you know, how often do you see a six-year deal? Period. And 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 again, this is a guy that like year six is, is he's thirty two. Yeah, what's, what's the point? Yeah, what's wrong with what's wrong with a four or five year deal there? Because like you know, at, at the point that you're going to renegotiate, say with uh, maybe well, let's, let's let's just say a five year deal, just for argument's sake. So three years in, you've evaluated how good he is. He's twenty nine. Like you know, you 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 you're probably okay with making a decision on him. Uh, for a new deal, it's let's say he's been brilliant, and you know, you want to make a new deal. You can make a new deal, and you're probably not going to be paying more than you're already paying right now for him. Maybe I don't know. Just yeah, I. It's an odd one, but obviously someone someone's decided that their prize asset deserves the longest contract known to man. But it's just it's so odd, especially. So I have uh, I have a stance that's like very unlike my previous stance three four years ago. Which is, it feels like the the rights market is contracting significantly. Uh, the the rights on a per game basis in the UK actually went down uh, this past year. So like TV money, you know, is about the same or flat, but like the the rights itself have gone down uh, on a per game basis. And then like La Liga just is not able to find a deal that is acceptable for them to carry for anyone to carry the La Liga rights in. Uh, in England, which again, like, is a pretty strong indicator that says that that the rights market is not heating up. In fact, it's cooling down. Now, TV rights are the thing that drives almost all of the the income and the revenue from the Premier League. I mean, not all, but it's an awful lot, and it's been like the most significant part of growth. So, if the rights are cooling down right now, and you're signing someone for a six-year deal, most of these TV deals are three-year deals. You're looking at potentially one to two moderate declines over that period. Certainly not growth-wise. Like, wouldn't you want to give yourself the option to, like, you know, readjust that contract as you go along? Yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? But you know, especially when you think they've got someone like I don't know how long Alexis Sanchez has got left on his contract. I know Man United have got more money than than anyone, but at the same time, it's like you still have to use it efficiently. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's not. Let's just do that, isn't it? Be a little bit more efficient. All right. So let's talk about uh, another inefficient club, but that's doing interesting things, and I think actually has improved. Let's go to Everton. Right. Moise Keane. Mm-hmm. Twenty-five-ish million is yeah. what's listed here. Yeah. Um, we had a little thing on the site about him. Uh, Riley wrote about him, didn't he? And um, he's very young. It does he feel is. like it does feel like uh, kind of like uh, the, the sharks are kind of swimming around like Juventus, like picking up, picking, picking off any, anything that's kind of like vaguely loose. And Keane feels like a, a potentially interesting signing on that. I mean, I don't know how much you expect from him at 19 now to like come into the Premier League and and be someone who can you know take in a lot of minutes and contribute a lot. He's certainly a Oh, well, I mean, th- that means he's a bench option. So who's their forward? I guess kind of Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin still, and he- he'll be part of that rotation. I don't mind. It's, it's, His baselines it, are really good, though. It right? feels, so he's got yeah. six and a half 90s. He's putting up XG over five, like shots per 90 of three. Now, obviously, this is in Juve, which is sort of a super team. But again, this is a 19-year-old. Uh, very promising um, you, people are like this deal seems stupid like there's something it's so odd that there's something weird or off about it if you think they flip Lookman you know when we discussed that before and then you know they've got Keane for a few few more quid and it's like right okay we've got a young guy in an attacking position within our squad then that's fine you know that's that's it's it doesn't feel like a gamble at this point it feels like you know kind of like a holding pattern move which potentially could have quite a lot of upside and not all Everton's moves have felt like that in recent years so that's you know. true, but this one feels significant, and yeah, I it, it is so good, and Keane has so much promise. Like we see these players go for like seventy, eighty, in some cases a hundred million. Now he doesn't have quite enough uh, playing time to go for that amount, but it's certainly promising. Now you know, we quite clearly had like a huge racism issue, uh, and didn't seem like it seemed like Benucci blamed Keane for people being racist toward him which is quite weird and Juve in Italy in general have some 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 issues with this so not a bad idea to get a young black player who could be a future superstar out of that situation the price looks a little weird but you know one year left on his contract and also like there's there's an agent connection there at Everton that that also you know kind of probably explains a bit of that uh, but let, let's look at another two Everton moves one in one out that that also are intriguing so uh We've got Adrissa Gway uh, going to PSG, 29-ish million, something like that. That was a, a rumored deal that was going to happen last year that didn't end up being pulled off and waited until this year. And then um, Jean-Philippe Wiebe Bamin uh, going to Everton as his apparent replacement? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't know much about this Bamin guy. and I, I was kind of surprised when I saw how young he was and, and uh, the fee and... I I'm not sure what they're seeing in him from the, from the outside. Um, obviously, you know, a bit of scouting might help there, <laughs> but it's hard to see from the out from from this distance like what they what they're seeing in him. So I mean, I'm curious about uh, that that as a signing. Obviously, Jesse Gabe was um, you know kind of like core component of their midfield. But at 29, much like Herrera, he's also going to be at PSG. It's, it's, you can understand the clubs. I mean, obviously, Man United didn't get a fee for error, but like you can understand the clubs kind of like m- moving on from these players at, at this kind of age and certainly at this price point. Um, yeah, that's an, that's an interesting one. So, 
I you know I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to see how this this guy fits in. And then the the other the one, price, the price was good and the age is good, and so you're you're at least intrigued. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, if 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 their scouting says some things that like the data doesn't maybe they went further back. I, I'd heard that he had some higher defensive output in previous seasons, but you know it is hard to replace uh, Gray's. Um, Overall output, I think. So that'll be interesting to see how that Everton midfield gets stuck together, and and whether it's uh, yeah a bit like Arsenal's midfield at times last year, which was very much a, a, a freeway down the center of the pitch, <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to something that I had control once in a while. Yeah, um, and then there's obviously rumors about uh, Wolf Zaha rocking up there for fifty, sixty million as well, which uh, very that, that, that rumor rumors. doesn't go away. But he's rumored all every which way you turn every window to turn up somewhere. So Spe- speaking of which, Crystal Palace are <laughs> fucking weird. Someone, like, yeah, someone, someone's noticed that like they haven't. All their players are ancient. Like got like one yeah. twenty-four year old, and like the youngest other players are, like twenty-seven. It's like right, okay, this team needs to <laughs> to kind of like think about uh, what it's doing a bit. But or maybe they're aging like fine wine. And actually, Roy Hodgson, who's actually so old that he thinks that he's got a bunch of young players, he just doesn't realize that it's not in comparison to him. It's in comparison to the rest of the league. Maybe I'll get away with it this year, and it'll be like, yeah, we're fine. And then next year, next year it'll be, you know, like, you know, 27, 28 year olds, that's that's probably okay. But then they suddenly become 29, 30 year olds or whatever, and it's like, oh, right, yeah, we should have done something a couple of years ago. This happened with Fulham too. Uh, that that was part of. I mean, Fulham also had some dysfunctional head coaches and managers, but they certainly kind of aged into relegation. Uh, and 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 Palace have been notoriously tight for quite a long time. I could see them wanting to sell uh, Zaha just so they could like re. Yeah. You know, reload a little bit yeah. and, and tool a bit younger. Yeah, I mean, if the FIFA is hard, like look at this list, I've got a list of players here that we're going to talk about, and they kind of the fees are all somewhere, nearly all of them, apart from the big ones, are like between kind of like 15 and 25 million. So they sell Zaha, that's like anywhere between like two and four players potentially. And you could really understand, like, if you know, if things are tight at Palace for whatever reason, which may be the case because we don't see them making many signings, then. You know, right? Can we can we sell Wilf and like just retools restock somewhere? But, it hasn't but there's almost yet. no time. time. Out. Yeah, exactly. We're on Tuesday at, at midday, and if that deal's not done, like how's how's it happening? Um, so part of that is also like you know how are they moving the ball forward? Like if you don't have Zaha, like how are you advancing the ball on a regular basis? Who's doing it? They don't have a midfield that plays in that way uh, mm. successfully very often. So you know we expect them to be defensively fine. But if you take the extra talent and then you still got Christian Pateke who can't score uh, for like two years now, you know, uh, maybe you end up in the Aitor Karenka mold where you're so defensive that you just cannot score outside of like the occasional set-piece goal and you get relegated anyway. So like there's a, there's a serious threat to Palace this year, uh, depending on if this deal comes off or not, or it's a serious threat to Palace next year because like now you've, you've probably lost a little bit on this haha price and everybody's a bit older and you really, really, really needed to start replacing some players. Yeah, that's the thing because from a metric perspective, like you wouldn't like you wouldn't necessarily have a great fear for Palace. They've been like fairly kind of, they, even though they've had tough times at the start of seasons, uh, I think last couple of years, like, the, you know, metric wise, they've always been like, okay, kind of like mid of the pack. So it's quite easy to just look at them from, an, or from afar and say like, okay, that this, this team is fine. But like, you know, as, as we've been discussing, you, know, you can look a little bit closer and it's like, right, okay, maybe they are store, storing up trouble for later on and we'll wonder how that will pan out. 
Who's next? Who's next? Let's, let's go back to the, the Maguire fallout, though, which I thought was also, like, really intriguing and, <laughs> and sort of alarming to some people. Yeah. Basically, Lester didn't do what Brentford and others seemed to do, which is basically know that you're going to sell somebody and then buy to replace them ahead of time. So now they go to the market, now that now that Maguire is official and gone, with like three days left, and they're looking to sign another center back, and they're getting quoted like $70 million for Nathan Ake or Ake. And, and who was the other one? $40 million for... Oh, no, I can't remember. Tarkowski, I think. Oh, yeah, Tarki. I'm like, whoa. But part of it is is like there's no time left. Mm. So if you're going to leave me with no time to shop, and this wasn't a position that I had planned to to replace, like I'm going to charge you and charge you a lot to do it. And so that's kind of the that's what happens when the market and the the transfer deadline moves up, and these moves you know wait till the end. Like if you know you have to make sure that somebody overpays for putting you into an inconvenience of losing those players and then having to try and quickly get another deal done yourselves. Yeah, no, it's interesting because, um, the, the, you know, the classic one that uh, was hung around everyone's neck was uh, Andy Carroll all those years ago. And I think that was in a January, like 35 million. It was only because Torres was 50 million. It was a, it was a classic, you know, right. Okay. This is this. So this is this uh, deal. And uh, yeah, you might, you might find uh you know, Leicester's market for centre-backs has probably just gone that way and then they, they've got to make a decision, well. haven't they, really? Because Maguire, you know, f- f- whether you like him or, or not, uh, is, you know, a key member of their, their first team. So whether they feel they can cover it with the players they've got now or right. need to invest, you know, it's, decisions need to be made. And Barcelona quick. ran themselves into that problem basically with uh, the Neymar deal, which mm. was kind of not intentional on their part because Neymar was a buyout. And suddenly, like, they've got this huge whack of cash and they need to replace some people and well, need to replace Neymar, which is almost impossible. And then they, you know, they end up spending, like, just fabulous amounts of money on guys that, you know, certainly were not the same quality or just were not able to replicate the, the production. And that's interesting from a Liverpool perspective, because obviously Liverpool got the Coutinho money and then went out and spent world record fees for, like, um, I think at the time, world record for Alisson and it kept a supersede it quite quickly and um, Van Dijk beforehand and Liverpool have spent a lot of money over time and very conspicuously haven't spent much money this summer um, but yeah. they spent on Allison and and Van Dijk were the big ones but also you know pretty good money on uh, Keita Fabinho yeah, etc yeah. and I think you know there, there is this theory that says that second season is without many moves is really quite good you know Spurs are kind of the champions of that this past <laughs> year uh whether intentionally or not, but um, I think that you know, there is something to it because, like, as you learn to play under the style and you learn to play more with your teammates, so you build better connections, you understand their game a little bit better. You know, you can see an improvement from stability. Yeah, and look uh, at well, Man-, Man City have been quite similar as well, haven't they? Since yeah. they've, since they've stabilised under Pep, it's been more a case of like you know after that somewhere they went out and bought like an entire defence or you know a couple of transfer windows. You know, they, they've it's been far more a case of like let just get one ingredient, you know, one player last. Mara's last summer, Rodri this summer, and like you know, maybe Liverpool were. I mean, I think there was talk they'd upped a few contracts as well, so they'd spent money in that way. It's not like they weren't spending money at all, but yeah, certainly interesting. I mean, I, th- I ahead of this window, I, th- I thought they should they should try and get like a, a, a fourth forward option, you know, someone who's potentially better than Origi or Shakiri as that kind of like rotational option just for fear of like losing one of their front three as uh, to injury and the thing is with Liverpool I mean it's weird they've, they've, they've almost hit everything they could dream of by winning the Champions League but like you know there's, there's the league will still be a challenge and it's like 
how can you just ensure yourself just a little bit more to to you know make sure you're competing as long and hard as you can and i probably would have investigated a forward option but well i think maybe it given if he's fully healthy and they would see things in training that we won't necessarily ryan brewster might, might be that guy Right. And and Liverpool are actually pretty good at blooding their young guys and you know letting them come into the ones that are good enough and come in and take minutes. I mean Trent Alexander Arnold is is a big one, but they they have a good academy and and Brewster was Brewster and Phil Foden I think were the two highest profile guys and we're now seeing them break into the Premier League. The people who wanted those kids out of that team to break into the Premier League immediately are just wrong. Like, the Premier League is so good right now, and and mo- many of those kids were quite young. They're hugely talented, but like they're not ready to break into like the very good teams at that point. Two years down the line, now we're seeing the very best of them start to get some pretty good minutes at the top teams, and then a lot of them are are sort of seated throughout the rest of the league. So that made made more sense. And mid- um, midfield depth as well, quickly to Liverpool, like Cater yeah. and Ox, you can potentially. I mean, maybe Ox is broken and he'll be injured like on and off forever more. But like certainly Cater, you would potentially expect a little bit more from him in his second season. He he had he missed time towards the end back end of last season before he got his injury he, yeah, looked he was like really he was humming really ramping up and like yeah know, becoming the player that we'd seen uh, um in germany and and prior to that so you know that if cater and ox can stay fit and you know hit hits hit more better form then they've got they've got real options in that midfield as well from a tactical perspective though i think that you know part of the reason the stats profile was so different uh, has nothing to do with him allegedly being older than his age, as someone on the internet had alleged uh, last year, <laughs> but much more so about how he's played, which is that the Liverpool midfielders were very much about ball movement, and Keita especially, ball movement to the box, and then letting that great forward line sort of take care of most of the rest of it uh, at, at that point. And they they stayed in position more often, I guess a bit more like Pep's system, where you know they wanted to make sure that they were super defensively stout and they're very fast and they can regain the ball and just cause real problems for the the opposition breaking out that does have a cost in attacking output and so that as you know it has an impact on it his profile changed largely it seems due to tactical reasons and not due to any fall off from you know his attacking side you know whether whether the fans were happy with that when they had seen a guy that you know they were told was a great goal scorer and creator as well as a, a good defensive midfielder yeah, you, know, you can only have so much, and I think Liverpool's results last year, you know, tactically speak for themselves. Who do we have next? Oh, here's another Liverpool, Adrian. Yeah, Adrian to Liverpool is, is the backup, and Mignolet's gone, so they got a fee for Mignolet, and they got uh, Adrian for free, and it's like, yeah, that's fine. Adrian, a couple of years back, uh, quite um, frequently used to come. To, Towards the top end of like any kind of goalkeeper rankings, and again, like you know, it takes time for to get ideas around goalkeepers and uh, their general kind of quality um, as to regard shot stopping. But I don't think anyone who's who's been around the game and looked at numbers and shot stopping and stuff would begrudge getting Adrian as as, as a backup. I think he's he's um, better than serviceable for that role. Sure, felt felt like an upgrade. Uh, and, and Adrian had kind of lost his place uh, at mm. West Ham, uh, largely due to Fabianski being yeah, fantastic. Also, someone who you know, quite, quite reliably kind of uh, seems to pop up as being this slightly superior to average in when you look at goalkeeping metrics. And again, you know, there's there's <laughs> goalkeeping stuff is is a little bit experimental, but it's better to get the guys that are ahead of the ahead of expectation than miles behind. And you know, that's what we see there. So. 
Yeah, I think that was that's pretty solid. We should talk about Arsenal, uh, Ted. They they bought they spent a lot of money on a probably quite good player. We we should talk about Spurs, James. <laughs> yeah, it's not just spent twenty minutes batting that back and forth. Arsenal <laughs> Spurs, no. Arsenal. I'll talk about Spurs. Uh, the, the latest. Are you slightly worried? Uh, not really. The latest. Um, but then I never am. Uh, people. People are. The, the forums are hilarious. People are like, "This is a disgrace." They haven't signed enough players and all this kind of thing. I think the current idea is that Ryan Sessionon will probably arrive, and then it's a case of does someone arrive, i.e., Luis Celso or Bruno Fernandez. Uh, is and does Ericsson get sold? Ericsson's at the point now. It looks like he's not signing a contract, and he's got a year left on it. So come on, this is prime Daniel Levy bait, right? You're getting sold, mate. You're getting sold, mate. And they even the talk this week was that man, they might even sell him to Man United just so they actually uh, sell him, which would be a real heartbreaker, I would say. But well, I mean, what what, what can I say to that? But, I, I look forward to him eventually just sort of graduating onto the bench next to Alexis Sanchez. Maybe they both enjoy dogs. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a funny one. He doesn't look like he's going to get his dream moved to Real Madrid or anything. And, and that so- actually makes me sad because I'm actually a pretty big Christian Eriksen fan. I, I think the fans need to take a step back and realize that Spurs have signed an infinity more players than they did in the previous 18 months. So like that, they should just be happy about that. The thing that makes me laugh is, is that, like, to my mind, Christian Eriksen is he's one of the least demonstrative players you'll ever find. He's just literally... He, you know, he 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 just isn't a man of emotions. Yet, when it, when everyone liked him and he was doing well, like that was fine. Now he looks like he wants to leave and his contract's running down. People people have spotted the body language, and it's like this is Christian Eriksen all the time. This is fans are not entirely sane. <laughs> this is and this is his body language forever. His body language, he never looked like he gives a fuck, right? He just doesn't. And that's so it's like, who he is. It's like figuring out that you want to break up with somebody and then <laughs> trying to find reasons that make sense, logical reasons why we should have a breakup. And for you especially, who is a big Christian Erickson fan, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe you need to have that to emotionally sort of get past this moment. Because yeah. you know, if you see him in a United kit and he plays really well, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have that little wistful bit about I was, you know, yeah, what was a little bit happier if he if he went abroad somewhere. And there are <laughs> reputedly teams you know, that are interested in him potentially because, of course, the rest of the uh, rest of Europe's window stays open for a little bit longer. So there could very well be a situation where Tottenham buy someone and then look to sell Ericsson. And that's the thing I cannot see see Levy wanting to like hold on to him till till next summer and then just let him walk especially when Alderweireld's in a, in a very similar contractual situation so yeah it, it, interesting to see what happened there I don't know I'm not I'm not worried everyone's everyone, the entire fan base is worried because there aren't enough right backs and uh, they haven't signed enough players and it's like nah it'll be fine always is I fine. don't want to I don't want to dig into Arsenal too much because I think I probably addressed that better in a thread about my concerns and stuff pepe, like that pepe, but pepe, I, pepe. it's all fun yeah exactly um, you know, it does fill a need. Uh, I had other reasons why. I think he's good. I don't think he's great. I think they overpaid for him. Um, but I will say that, like, I think Arsenal's summer is better than, you know, certainly the initial rumors suggested it would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not getting Zaha, I think, is is <laughs> an upgrade all around because yeah. of just the wages and the opportunity cost there is bad. Uh, and, you know, they're still looking at a left back. I think Tierney, even though he's got picked up an injury, is... is probably going to happen is what we've heard uh so it's it's you know credit to arsenal for like you know dodging a lot of the the mines and and 
<laughs> the mines in, in, in the harbor of, of, of transfers, but uh, it, it looks like it isn't a bad summer for them, but they're still not going to be like a great team. And they still haven't like moved Mesut Ozil and you have no idea like what the dressing room chemistry is going to be like if they go through some bumps. So, they can uh, have hell of a hell of a like front four, like five at, at times, you know, it could be quite entertaining being Arsenal. Let's just run, like fucking run, <laughs> yeah. like zoom, zoom, zoom. Don't try and kill the game in the first half, though. Not with this group. Like you want as many possessions as possible against most of the anybody that's not top six. Just like run, 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 and yeah. uh, and see who scores the most goals. I, I like that. I I'd, I'd sign up that like as a fan. You know, I will not complain if we do this during the season. I'm on board. Let's do that. Yeah. Just need a little bit more, a little bit more away from home. That's all. Talk about Brighton for a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, Brighton. Brighton are doing interesting things because they've signed loads of English players or like English kind of based players, like certainly out of the Championship as well. Like Neil Morpai has just gone there for eighteen million, which I think is probably fair. I think that's he's French though. Oh, is he? Sorry, Apologies. he's French. He was. He is based in <laughs> based in you know the Championship. So yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, I'm just that, giving you a hard time. That's my thought process there. But like, yeah. So so that's an interesting one because you know Mopai's uh, profile looks decent. Probably deserves a chance at um, a slightly higher level. Interesting to see whether that Premier League is going to be it. And then Adam Webster, centre back, come out of Bristol City, have just made an enormous profit on him year to year because I think he'd only been there a year and they signed him for not much at all. That 20, that deal million. looks bonkers. Yeah, I mean, that's one that I didn't fully process, and then I was like, "Wait, did I did I misread the fee?" Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Because like, okay, that's a lot, but really committing to like what they're doing, Brian. This is the thing, and spending like reasonable fees on targeting. I don't know. I guess the better championship options. That's risky. Maybe. Well, they they've taken dips in in other pools previously. I think Eves Basuma is is one of the ones that we were most excited about. Mopai, I think, is actually quite good, and I think that you know his age profile and his output profile puts him at at least Premier League average if he's in like a Premier League average sort of attacking pace, which is pretty decent, right, for a, a yeah. twenty million guy that could actually be better than that. So his profile could be beyond Premier League. And average. it was pro- they probably are starting like Glenn Murray otherwise. So it's like right, okay, that's 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 a logical kind of like transitional. Like, How old is Glenn Murray? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Makes me look young. No, but um, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's like it's a uh, it's Jurgen Lukadia, I think, was the other option that had gotten some playing time. Now they got rid of Knockert, uh, but you know, feel like they've they've got other or better options in that spot. It is a little tricky though because it's a it's 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 a bit of a, a mismatched toy box that you've got to figure out how to make it align and operate yeah, correctly yeah. because of-, of how it's been you know played from Hutton. And then Graham Potter's there, right. and the recruitment didn't necessarily match up to like the the clear style that he was playing, but it seemed to match like a different potential style. So can he make that work? And will how long will it take him to find his like best set of squad mates to 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 operate with? Right, this is because you've got a lot of new players across kind of two 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 windows probably. Because you could even like you say you could even kind of like credit the the players that arrived last summer as being potentially potentially like looking towards fitting towards now where where they've arrived. But I think I said this the other day. Like, my, I can like I can envisage Brighton getting anywhere between twenty five and fifty points, and I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they landed anywhere in that kind of like spectrum, um, depending on. I mean, I kind of hope it works for them a little bit because I feel like they've, I feel like they've been quite brave um, in kind of like committing to a new system and you know spending lot quite quite considerable fees on some some talent that, I've, that they've identified. But yeah, really really interesting like to see what where Brighton end up. At, you know, as this season progresses after 
what has been a, you know a, a lot of change it seems another very interesting move that also is one of my favorite names to type on social media uh oliver mcburney <laughs> yeah. Swansea up to Sheffield United. Now I say that because instead of the the burn part, I just like put the flame emoji. Usually after he scored goals, which he's done fairly regularly over the yeah. last couple of seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is interesting. Like, we've, I think we've liked McBurney for a little while, um, and he's scored goals fairly reliable. But again, it's that it's that level down. It's in the Championship and eighteen million. He's what twenty two, I think. He's, he's he was quite ahead of his expected goals last season so you know he's a little bit hot on that front he scored a lot of headers I think he scored like eight headers last last year which is not very much a right place at the right time guy he is better in the air than you expect not one not one for volume but like somehow I'm not (laughs) ruin all my stats credit in one one fell swoop by (laughs) suggesting that he has the X factor but (laughs) yeah um, it's a curious one I I don't know that I, I particularly feel that like he's like projects out to be like Premier League standard or like high enough in the Premier League standard, but we're fucking hell, we're going to find out. You know, it's, really um, good shot quality, not a whole lot of volume. That's also kind of the right place at the right time. Has a bit of a dribble on him and a, and a decent burst. Uh, looks looks scrawnier than you might expect, I think, at least compared to other players. But yeah, is is pretty solid. And again. It seems to just be regularly scoring goals that are unexpected. So this is the unexpected goals. It's uh, it's Oliver McBurney in the X Factor. <laughs> and again, he's someone, uh, uh, someone because obviously they have Billy Sharp last season, who is also like same aging a little bit. Yeah. So again, a, a logical move, even be it for this season, next season, you know, however long into the future, like Sheffield United are kind of like envisaging. Uh, well, Sheffield McBurney. United had to get younger. All of their mm. goal scorers were like 30-plus, and some of them were like way out on there. Yeah. So Lismuset, uh, Oliver McBurney. We'll see how it goes. It's it's intriguing. And and like these are moves that I don't hate, but I also don't know like how much they're going to pay off. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it does seem like, you know, the the 18 to 20 million is is almost the the absolute standard for I need a, champion, a forward from the championship that I'm going to bring to the Premier League. This is what it costs you now. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it feels like. I mean, we got, we got a handful of uh, players that, you know, kind of like... We've got on our list that fit a similar kind of like profile. A couple of guys who went to Bournemouth, Arno Danjuma, <laughs> this week's player signed from Belgium uh, for 16 million. <laughs> Philip Villing also went from Huddersfield to Bournemouth for 15 million. And then uh, Patrick Catrone went from Milan to Wolves for 16 million. So all like this kind of like, again, like all these are like on the younger side of things coming from, uh, I mean, obviously Milan, a fairly strong league, but um, Catrone didn't, didn't score many goals last season, so maybe was. Yeah, ended up on the outs there. Uh, do, do we think Denjuma's good? I don't know much about this guy at all. I'm really surprised that they've bought him. Um, uh, it's just a curious one, I think. Uh, uh, his, his stats in, in our stuff, like we collect Belgium from last year, like really not impressive or exciting. And I don't know what to make of that one. But uh, yeah. So. Yeah, it's curious. And when you consider, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's got one of these Wilfs of hard shot force fields isn't he where we can't get near it just everything comes from wide wide on this flank um when you consider how bournemouth have been slightly reticent at times to recruit from international markets it's intriguing that they've grabbed a guy like this who doesn't necessarily kind of jump off the page but it's we'll it's easier to get confidence in external markets if you buy slam dunks and not huge question marks mm. 
That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a little bit of a question mark one. And Philip Billing, I guess. I mean, I, I was quite positive about Billing, like about how he was your pick. He was your pick off yeah, of Huddersfield yeah, yeah. for like I'm, who I'm, you would grab. I'm just because he kept showing up really well in like our data for like you know pressure events and stuff, and it was like okay, he's pretty active in there. But I mean, that's 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 one dimension of a of a kind of like broader picture. So uh, they'll, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in there. And obviously, Bournemouth like have had a porous midfield forever, so. You know, someone who's a little bit kind of more active in there. I mean, maybe their system will never actually kind of protect players uh, defensively in there. And this is just one of those things. I mean, they've got Lerma now, who's a little bit more kind of like tenacious. But it wasn't, you know, fundamentally they weren't any better at protecting uh, the, the defence from allowing shots and goals last season. So it's, yeah, interesting kind of pick that. And the fee the fee's probably the, fine, but yeah. We'll I think see. the challenge there is, is tactical. Uh, so back. Like we know some people who used to work for Bournemouth back in the day, and uh, the recruitment mandate for the midfield was always like had to be able to play in a midfield two. Billing, I think, is fairly suited for a midfield three. I'm not sure that he's a good enough passer to pull off like the midfield two concept. And also, you know, pace is a concern. So he does things pretty well on the physical side, but your know, pace, I think, is is one where area he might be a little lacking. I don't think it's a bad one, but I'm not sure it's an upgrade for them. And and you know. These two moves feel feel like they're on the the lower side of what has been a pretty decent overall transfer window for most of the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd, I'd certainly like put them in the kind of like juries out juries out saying just just for now and uh, which Katrona I think is super positive for Wolves though, and in a way that you look at it and say he's one of the better young Italian forwards uh, that Milan team were weird last year under Gattuso. Not great in terms of creative uh, playmaking players. Mm. A lot of guys that can create their own shots from wide, including Suso and, and Chahanoglu, who just yeah. only shoot from wide, apparently. So get him in a, in a midfield that makes a little more sense. And he might be able to, to really turn that around. And and the the fee, which we don't know like what the add-ons are or even like a sell-on percentage, but at $16 million, like that seems fairly thrifty for yeah. you know, a guy that, that might end up being uh, an Italy starter in a year or two. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think he's like more of a finisher type. And I, I think even Piatek struggled a little bit at Milan um, later on last season uh, from that perspective. So it's probably not worth reading too much into, into his lack of goals last season. 21, though. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's young. He's, he's worth worth kind of like you know taking a punt on. And you know, Wolves is Wolves. They've got him in as they, they they've got options in their kind of like front line. So not a bad kind of like rotational uh, striker with a potential potential upside. Couple of interesting deals I saw for Wolves, Ted. When when you say interesting, I can only see this in air quotes. <laughs> well. Pedro Neto, 19 years old, Lazio to Wolves, 16 million, 42 minutes played in Serie A. Bruno Jordao, 20, Lazio to Wolves, 8 million, 87 minutes played in Serie A. Both been on two-year loans from Braga to Lazio, which got made permanent in July for about half the fees they've just been sold for. I can only trust the internet for the information that I've I've acquired here. So if it's wrong, then so be it. But yeah, 24, like million, dunks. 24 million for a couple of young... Ready made starters. Uh, interesting. We'll see how they get on. <laughs> Fascinating deals there. Is there. Are there any rumors, any big rumors that we think are going to happen um, or need to happen? Um, I'm trying to think. There wasn't much. Was it Lukaku's? Well, they're more on the outs, aren't they? Especially Premier League wise. You know, I, I, sure. I don't they think. They can still sell. 
yeah, I don't think the like the big big ideas around any any coming in at the moment. Uh, maybe Tottenham have got a couple. Uh, L- Lukaku has been so injured and had a knock that he's been training with Anderlecht, which is uh, you know. <laughs> oh my god! Malcolm went to Zenit. Malcolm's he's been conversation on it all summer, and he rocked up at Zenit for thirty six minutes. So that might be might be you know no, no disrespect to Zenit, but that might be the the last we see of him. It's it's a funny thing where <laughs> you forget that the Russian clubs still have a lot of money out there, and they yeah. just occasionally like pop up to remind you. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like Oscar Oscar going to China, and it's like, oh, he was good. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and 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 two coaches. Did we talk about them last time? They they came available. Uh, Robert no. Schmidt is now available from uh, Beijing. Uh, so he's coming back to Europe, and Marcelino apparently left Valencia. Yeah, we yeah. really like both of these coaches. Totally different styles, though. Yeah. So you know, Schmidt is is sort of aggressive pressing. Uh, seems to have learned a bit more tactical flexibility in China. Obviously, adapting to to different levels of talent and and a very specific set of foreign player rules. Uh, you know, kind of forces your hand there. But you know, they were doing great for most of the season, and then I guess he was his deal was definitely up. He was definitely not signing a new one, and uh, Beijing decided to leap for Bruno Geneseo, who uh, is also an intriguing choice and, and was, was basically let go and or nudged out by, by Leon uh, toward the end of last year after some pretty good runs, but maybe possibly not as, quite as good as they wanted to. Marcelino is the other side of it. So like very tactically astute. Valencia underperformed super weirdly last year, but I think Marcelino is, is a top tier coach. And both of those guys will be kind of looking on and, and figuring out, you know, what's going to happen. Uh, assuming that the Marcelino thing wasn't something I misinterpreted and didn't actually happen, yeah, which no. could happen right now. Easily done in this era of uh, <laughs> era of odd news and such, yeah. But I think that's it, Ted. I think we've gone through them all. Are you excited? I'm excited. What about the end of the transfer window? Are you ready? And the season's starting. Oh my God, it's yeah. all happening, Ted. Is it? We're both I'm, on I'm holiday next holiday. week, aren't we? So, yeah, we won't see anything. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's um, it's good fun. Always good to roll back around the summer. It always feels like it goes a little bit quicker than you'd like, but it's always good to these do these transfer podcasts are good fun, and you know, you guys always give us good feedback and seem to like them. So, uh, you know, thanks for listening along. That we've done, and them. please do come to our Stats Bomb Live podcast, which we forgot to mention at the beginning of the thing that will be happening at our conference in Stanford Bridge. Uh, we would love to see you there. Uh, you know, we're, we this will be our first one. Uh, we're going to make it really cool. Hopefully, you know, if if all the feedback is good, like we'll make this a regular thing because I think the football kind of is ready for this. There's just so many sports analytics conferences. I see them pop up on on US Twitter all the time. But football hasn't really had a public one in this way that, you know, is, is more like the Sloan Conference in the U.S. and such. So, you know, that's what we're trying to do. And, and we'll intermingle, like, a lot of our contacts and hopefully get really cool people. It'll be in, a good crack. Form. There's no doubt. It's, it's definitely, yeah. if, you know, if you come along, you'll enjoy it. All right. So thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the season finally starting. Although for some of us, it feels like it's come around faster than for others. And uh, I don't know when we'll be back right now. Probably a couple of weeks. But uh, there'll be plenty to talk about by then. Indeed. (laughs) Okay. Cheers.